Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Leaders in Supply Chain podcast, Latin America and U.S., and why not worldwide? I am your host, Xavier Basáñez, Managing Director for Latin America and U.S. in Alcott Global. For me, it's a great pleasure to have today a Maria Rey Maston. Bienvenida, Maria. Thank you, Javier. Maria, for the people that, that don't know Maria, that I think that should be few people, Maria is the Marketing Managing Director and Supply Chain Innovation Global Co-Lead and Global Beverage Leader in Accenture in the past two years. Previously, Maria has been a partner and principal on Ernst & Jones for more over than five years. Previously, Maria has a 16-year career in the, in the Georgia Tech at the Supply Chain Institute in Scheller College of Business, working as a joint lecturer and the math driving supply chain strategy and lecture. She has been developing different advisory and customer courses. And also Maria has been part of the Universidad de los Andes as a joint lecturer and logistic and supply chain school management. Also, she performed different other roles in Coca-Cola as a demand driving, uh, leading innovation programs, and also uh, one of the most important uh, where I knew for the first time Maria was in the, she was the executive director of the Latin American Logistics Center. So welcome again, Maria. For me, it's a great pleasure to have you here. Javier, it just, uh, I think that long list shows two things. One, it kind of makes me feel old, but number two, at least people can say I'm consistent because uh -huh. I've been around logistics and supply chain and this industry for a long time, yeah. for 20 years. And I've always had really a passion for the execution of things, for yeah. how things get moved, get produced, get sourced. And as you rightfully said, I, I started my career uh, from Latin America and have been in academia, in consulting, in operations. It's a good summary and I appreciate uh, the invitation. Oh, well, thank you very much. And uh, yes, and the, the years of experience make us to be renewed and uh, looking more younger. So don't, don't worry about it. So I, I would like to, to start the, the conversation Maybe with one of the most important times uh, that was when, when you were at the Latin American Logistics Center. That was the, the major promotion of the supply chain structure when you started developing and uh, teaching the, the model of the supply chain. I remember that time many, many years ago. But it was the first time that we were promoting and people were just conscious about the logistic and the umbrella of the supply chain. Can, can you tell about some reminders that you have of that time when you were in yeah. the register? Mm -hmm. Yes, it just um, it brings me back um, at least a couple of decades. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think what was interesting about LALC, the Latin America Logistics Center, is that at that time uh, I had joined Georgia Tech as a global mm -hmm. logistics research scholar. And I was part of the, the faculty of doing some of the teaching and the professional education of some of the courses at the Logistics Institute at Georgia Tech. And, mm -hmm. uh, and what was very interesting is I noticed that all of this content, we occasionally, obviously, the content was delivered in English. 
and we had some few people from Latin America that will come to Atlanta to attend the courses. But really, at that time, and I'm talking about the late 90s, we didn't have a lot of um, executive education or formal education around logistics or supply chain in Spanish and Portuguese. So mm-hmm. with a group of partners and people like me that were working in American universities, in U.S.-based universities, but we are Latin, mm-hmm. you know, my partner, Ricardo Ernst, yeah. uh, from Georgetown, Sergio Vigeman, now in the of Otago, people like Walter Flores from Ohio State, uh, Brazilian. So we basically took the content that we had in English and we started this process of, you know, translating it, having different uh, organizers in different countries that will put this series of courses that we will teach in a more structured curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I think at that time, We didn't have a lot of online education. We didn't have a lot of universities with supply chain certificates. So I will say that LALC and the different academic partners and organizers in different cities and countries in Latin America, we really had a wave of executive and professional education in a field that was new for many people. Today, obviously, the situation is, is much better and there's more access to content, more formal education, degrees by universities. But I will say 20-something years ago, that was really a concerted effort. And I think at any point in time, LALC may have had, I don't know, 80, 100 courses in a given year for Argentina. So those mm-hmm. were very fun years. And... Um, I developed fantastic friendships and relationships with logistics practitioners that uh, we keep those relationships alive today, 20 years later. No, that, that has been great. I remember that kind of time when I saw my first time a, a real great explanation and real good concepts about the supply chain processes because everybody was thinking just a logistic or import and procurement was in one side, planning was inside of manufacturing. So there was not a agglutination tool just to explain that all the supply chain processes go around the company and are developed by different functions. But the, the supply chain concept is, is one. And yes, maybe one of the main part is logistic instead of function. But just having that concept of linking all the different steps, that, that was the first time. I, I remember the model that was like a, like a cube. You remember that? That was the different phases of the different areas of the logistics. Yeah, and, and I think um, that has probably been one of the greatest points of evolution in how do we look at supply chains and supply networks today. We don't look at them from perspective Obviously, we understand that there is some work to be done around inventory management and there's work to be done in routing and scheduling of transportation. But in the end, we're looking at this more holistically on how to respond to demand and how to Mm -hmm. make sure that everything upstream gets connected for an Mm -hmm. ultimate outcome, which is being able to satisfy a customer or a user need 
And in order to do that, you obviously need more tight integrations between the processes and the activities that make that happen. So I, I think you're right. The views of that we're, we were sharing 20-something years ago were more integrated views of how customer service connects with inventory management, how inventory management connects with procurement, with manufacturing, with sourcing, with transportation and distribution, warehousing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, I will say, there is a generation of executives and professionals that have done fantastic amount of work in that more holistic view of supply chains. Yeah, the, the, definitely. And, uh, and, and this is great because, I mean, from that time up to now, we, we can see how the supply chain have been growing, how the people have been you, you understanding the different process of, of the supply chain. No? I remember also when I joined Cargill many years ago, I started looking for the the model that the Global Supply Chain Forum made by the, I, I forgot the name of the professor, and just explaining all the different process through the different functional silos of the supply chain that also match with the, that initial model that, that you show in the LALC. Exactly. No, I think we've made And I think after you look at that, integration within supply chain processes. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the next step in the evolution of our industry is being the internal the of supply mm-hmm. chain into other business functions of the enterprise. Yeah. So I think what we work probably 10 years later, which is kind of part of my decision to sell LALC and sell my consulting practice and go to Ernst & Young was basically motivated by the fact that I do believe, and I did believe then, that supply chains need to be also connected with the sales teams, with the finance teams, exactly. with the marketing teams, with the HR teams, and that we had done a lot of work integrating supply chain processes into a holistic view of supply chain, but we needed to do some additional work integrating supply chain to the rest of the enterprise functions. I think that work is much better today. I think the progress that we've made as an industry with SNOP routines, with the integration with finance, the integration with sales, and even looking at supply chain as an engine for growth. When we talk about marketing and, and, and business growth, Today, supply chain is considered a key element of the customer experience, of the growing loyalty of Mm -hmm. consumers and shoppers into, you know, products and services because you have great supply chains that enable companies to drive that growth profitably, obviously, but also to deliver on great experiences. So lots of progress for sure. You know, definitely, definitely. And, and you are right. We, we have been, been testifying, I mean, the, the, how the different function of the, of the organization have been realizing of the key element of the supply chain, but also the people of supply chain have been involving in all these processes and making the coaching and doing the teaching of which, why it's important, for example, in, 
in a process of CRM, just involving the supply chain team just to give the perspective of the internal process and, and the external process, but also the know-how as a, just helping in the, the people of marketing and say, for example, the, in the CRM or the CRMs. And definitely the, the, angular, the angular stone, I think, have been the, the SNOP process, no? because this is, is the place where you join everybody, start talking, start doing discussion, start doing ideas and generating new opportunities of, of business inside the, the organization. No? Correctly. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I think what is interesting today is that you know, it seems like we're always chasing something uh, next to to figure out or to solve because I think the alignment, at least conceptually in, in some clients or some companies, but at place today, the alignment with internal functions is happening. I think mm-hmm. these concepts of the supply chain financial connection mm-hmm. are much, much better understood, Good. all yeah. the work that Stephen Timmy did with Finlistics to supply chain That's performance right. with financial performance. Exactly. I think that was a, a great piece of work. So I think the internal integration is something where we made tremendous progress. I don't say I won't say it's perfect, but I think yeah. it's it's pretty tight in many industries. And the next step is how do you bring your external parties into mm-hmm. your planning environments so you have more of an ecosystem of supply, more a supply network than a supply chain where you can actually bring suppliers, business partners, customers, providers of services, contract manufacturers, who knows, all the the parties that create that network that is able to respond to a customer demand or the needs of a market And I think that's where we see a lot of the effort happening right now is trying to bring external parties into Mm -hmm. the process at the enterprise level. Yeah, definitely. And you you, you are fully right. And yes, at the beginning, maybe it was just people was focusing just too much in the suppliers type one, type two. But also with the, let's say, standardization of the processes of logistics so they, they was able to to board an industry of three PL or four PL that have been integrating in the company, as you said before, and just compassing all the processes and making bringing more ideas uh, to the table to make it more profitable the business, uh, more better ideas, and also the arriving of new technologies have been increasing and. Um, opening new, new doors in the managing of the supply chain. That's right. And, and, and I think you, you just hit on the right word, and the right word here is technology. Mm-hmm. Because when, when we had more manual processes that could not really ride on top of technology platforms, obviously manual processes have a great risk of not mm-hmm. being standardized, uh, just being more ad hoc, more uh, the personal choice. But I, I think we, we've been getting so much better starting with the, you know, with the era of the ERP system and just trying to standardize all these processes. And today, basically, the, the majority of the supply chain processes in large and small companies are processes that are based on a 
activity flow and a sequence and a logic that is embedded in technology. So even in some cases, if we want to do something a little bit different can be painful for organizations because most of the processes are very tight within the, the ERP, the digital core of the company. And that benefit for standardization and predictability of processes actually has become a little bit the Achilles heel of the industry. Because now that we need a segmented execution, that we need to differentiate activities for different types of product or different segments of customers, companies are looking for more flexibility, still based on technology, but not based on rigid process, routines, and flows. So what we're seeing today is is almost like the flexibility and the ability to customize processes and services and activities still based on technology, a different generation of technologies, of course, but just being able to achieve that ultimate uh, ideal state of customization, flexibility, but at Mm -hmm. scale. And again, technology being the key word for this discussion. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. And you, you, you reminded me when, when you were talking about the different uh, ERPs and processes. And I just reminded just I just watching back and just 10 years ago when, when I was in Cargill, just, just, just we were discussing of the implementation of the ERP and we were talking about some part of the customization of the different process. So was um, a ball just coming about implementation of the ERPs and all companies trying to organize under one system, just helping creating the discipline, as you say before, of the processes. And after that, from that seven, ten years up to now, we can see a lot, a lot of different ERPs, more flexible more customized, but more friendly for the all functions. So not only for the supply chain people that may easier to everybody, you understand the, the connection, no? When you feel the, the connection of the old school connection centers, I mean, from the wires, no? When you were connecting just calls, now you can easily do it with this kind of ERPs. That's right. Yeah, and um, you know we, we we kind of find and invent something to to <laughs> change and get better. And you yeah. know, speaking a little bit of uh, the evolution of the supply chains and technology for supply chain, it, it actually highlights another career change that I did mm-hmm. in the last two years, and mm-hmm. my joining Accenture, precisely on this conversation around technology driving innovation in supply chain and technology actually enabling some of the transformation that is feasible within a supply chain, right? So in the sense that we had the big adoption from the Y2K years of ERP systems with a very strong digital core with every process connected to that central set of databases in the ERP and every module running out of the same set of data structures. I think with the application or the deployment of supply chain technology in the cloud, 
Mm-hmm. And with all the transitions from on-premise servers and systems to cloud, more elastic architectures, what we have seen as well is that many companies are moving into what we call the digital decoupling of their mm-hmm. supply chain systems. And what it says is you don't need to have your ideal transportation management system, your TMS or your WMS running mm-hmm. exactly tied together with your ERP system. You can have cloud-based, best-of-breed applications and functionality with a much smaller digital core in your ERP, which you still mm-hmm. need for many reasons, mostly financial reasons and obviously data governance. But you can live your life with a series of best-in-class apps for supply chain that can coexist in a more flexible architecture and a more flexible environment. And that's driving a lot of innovation in how supply chains work, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that has been a big jump in, in, the, in the supply chain technology and the organization with this, all this cloud digital implementation. That, also, that technology started just, if we can say a milestone, just started before the, the initial pandemic situation that we have two years ago in, in 2019 with COVID, no? But this could be, this COVID situation can be a point of acceleration all of this kind of technology, all the artificial intelligence, data analytics, and all that kind of, of sensor implementation for doing different things just to accelerate the needs for the final customer and, and consumer. How, how do you see that? Well, I, I think COVID has done, and we wish it was <laughs> done. It, it happened two years ago, right? We, we still yeah. live the the implications and the disruption of yeah. the global pandemic in our global supply networks and just to recap a little bit because you're right it, it had accelerated some of what we call the dislocation of activities and people where mm-hmm. we really understood in the last two years that we can do a lot of things, not just remote work or remote studying, but we can actually run manufacturing plants remotely that we can control a transportation fleet without Mm -hmm. being on the ground with the assets, which we kind of knew, but we really didn't have the need to do it. And during the COVID years, certainly the last two years, I think it's worth sharing why COVID was so disruptive to supply chain management because it was the first time in our professional lives and careers, I guess, for the majority of us, where we have seen in such a short time a radical patterns. People went home, people disappeared from offices, people stopped traveling, people stopped going to restaurants, people stopped shopping. And at the same time, it was a tremendous disruption in capacity. Nobody will go to a plant. You had no truck drivers. You had no people doing remote work, no ability to serve a desk. So when you put together such a degree of a global disruption, not just the floods in Thailand or the mad cow disease in England or the strike in Peru. No, you're putting together a global disruption 
to all yeah. local, regional, and global networks with simultaneous impact in That's demand, right. in capacity, and in the nature of products that were consumed, demanded, or that basically were out of need for these two years. You kind of understand the, the dramatic yes, impact this had, and we are still recovering. We're going to continue to be recovering, I think, for at least five years. Obviously, the disruption we see right now on energy markets and the disruption from the uh, economic sanctions to Russia in retaliation for their invasion to Ukraine, mm -hmm. all of these events just continue to show us two things that for many years, and I think this is one of the, the important lessons that we learned and that I learned from many years at Georgia Tech and many years looking at optimizing processes and optimizing networks and reducing costs and doing zero-based costing in supply networks, mm -hmm. we ended up with a supply chain that was super efficient, that was near optimal, that had been lowering its cost for a long time, but that in the event of a disruption, that supply chain had no safety net. Yeah. That supply chain was not resilient. We didn't have redundancy in many of the networks. We didn't have products that could be reconfigured very quickly. We didn't have the relationships, the partnerships that will allow you to recover after one of these major disruptions. So the big focus these days are rebuilding the resiliency in supply networks, rebuilding that balance between optimization and optimal processes and cost reduction and efficiencies, that balance against the balance of preparedness, risk management, resiliency, and obviously adding to the equation all the disruption that we are going to continue to see because of climate change. Yeah. Now, a sustainable supply chain is not just aspirational or ideal, a sustainable yeah. supply chain that is also resilient and efficient is really the target for many of these operations in the future. Yeah, the, definitely, that, definitely. And that's just, you, you, you were just appointing to my next question. How do you see the future of the, of the supply chain worldwide and specifically in U.S. and Latin America? How, how do you see that? Well, I, I think, you know... 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, we used to talk about supply chain in Latin America versus supply chain in Asia versus supply chain in the U.S., a little bit assuming that because of different levels of maturity, supply chains, it was true back then, were different. Mm -hmm. Today, we take less of a regional approach and we really want to understand Even in the U.S., what is the context of that industry? What is the context of infrastructure? What is the availability of resources, talent, partners? So we are, we're going to an approach that is much more industry-specific rather than geography-specific. So yeah. I, I will say whatever comments we have today on supply chains are not just for Latin America, they're, they're global comments because of technology, the ability to bring leading practices embedded in software, to be part of this global supply chains that connect with each other. And, and, and I think I will say 
in addition to the topics around more resilient and more sustainable supply chains, one big trend and one big space of acceleration in the transformation of supply chains is obviously the incorporation of analytics Mm -hmm. into the everyday working of our processes. I'm not going to say that data availability or big data is something new because in general, supply chain operations have always been data rich. Yeah, that's right. We have Mm -hmm. always generated tons of transactional data, tons of information coming from carriers, suppliers, customers. What we didn't have 10 years ago or even five years ago was a flexible and powerful enough architecture and infrastructure that allowed us to process the data at Mm -hmm. speed so you could leverage that data to run analytics into what should be your next course of action versus running analytics into what happened yesterday or last month or last year. And it's not because people didn't think about this before. It's because if you want to run predictive analytics or prescriptive analytics, you need to have the capability to ingest large amounts of data, process it very quickly, provide a recommendation, and do all of this before Mm -hmm. the person makes a decision so that data informs the next best action. So we visualized that 10 years ago. We just didn't have the computing power We didn't have the algorithms. We didn't have the cloud infrastructure to be able to deliver those analytics at the point of decision. Today we do, and I think Mm -hmm. supply chains will continue to change dramatically by the leveraging of the data richness that we've had and being able just to put more real-time analytics on top of that data and, frankly, make the lives of people easier and better. People working in supply chain have always been overworked and underpaid, probably. We've always been a little bit behind the scenes and trying to fight for our place in the business and to for people to recognize the strategic value. But part of the reason is because number crunching is always been is always taking a lot of time and effort in the business. So when you put layers of automation, layers of analytics, layers of prescriptive analytics, we should be expecting to see, I will say, a much more healthier with better work-life balance for people in supply chain, because I hope we're going to let the machine, Mm -hmm. uh, we call it at Accenture, the human plus machine, We need to let the machine do the hard work that we've been doing for decades and then add the human experience, the human judgment, the human creativity to run scenarios, to decide how to interpret certain elements of the data, to accept or reject a recommendation. So I think it's a very exciting frontier as we think about you know, the future of artificial intelligence, the future of machine learning and supply chain. So I think we're going to see a very different generation of technologies, very Mm -hmm. different types of organizations. And for many companies, this dream is what they call lights out supply chain, where you basically have the ability to run 
your strategy and execute your plans totally driven I've never seen it in practice, actually, but it's an aspiration by some companies to have a lights out operation so people can go and move into more creative, strategic, human judgment required kind of roles versus just crunching Excel spreadsheets and moving data files from one place to the next. No, that is, you fully agree with your, with your vision on how should be the, the future in the industry and with the current technologies and how the, the management how, how should and, do and you know, in, in the future. That is, that is, as you imagine, and people listening to this conversation, immediately when you know the goal is different, the technology is different, the roles will be different, you start asking yourself the question, what kind of people do mm-hmm. I need in my operation to manage this new reality? Because yeah. sometimes yeah. the people we had from managing, I don't know, loads of screens and menus in your ERP process that was tightly coupled with a lot of challenges to clean data and things like that, you know, some of those roles probably are not going to be needed. And you see a lot of companies working in upskilling their talent and trying to figure out how do I retrain people that have a lot of understanding of supply chain, a lot Mm -hmm. of knowledge of their industry and their companies, and make them more accretive into this new technology-driven environment. Yeah, definitely. And you you, you was just answering my, my next question, no? Because I, I, my, my next question, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, maybe the, the last one, just not to take you too much time, is I can divide it in two because um, how you, do you see that the CEOs should be planning and doing all the new strategy for their business, for their industry, watching all these supply chain processes and technology and, and full cloud changing? And how do you see the people that want to get success, as you said before, because the goals will be different, technology, the, the roles will be different. So the person that want to, to be developing in supply chain or the current chief supply chain officer, what do you think that they should be focusing in? Which kind of skill, which kind of learning they should be having? Because now it is more, it's not only technical only processes they know to know more about technology but also more not about the, the business and placing everything together so to the question of what what does a ceo need to do to get her supply chains fit for purpose fit for future mm-hmm. i think it's an interesting question and honestly i i know very few ceos that have answered that question because hopefully they are relating or they're depending on their chief supply chain officer to tell them what to do. But I think there's a point where CEOs really care about the future of supply chain and it's when they see supply chain as an engine for growth Mm -hmm. and as an engine for sustainability and as an engine for resiliency. And I think I'm going to repeat the obvious because we've been hearing about the renewed awareness on the importance of supply Mm -hmm. chain for the last two years. And it is true because I think CEOs realized that they perhaps have pushed 
a supply chain that was too lean, that was too skinny, that could mm-hmm. not withhold any kind of disruption. So I think we're seeing CEOs more engaged in these conversations of how to rebuild the supply chains of the future. And obviously that translates into additional investments, additional resources and other things that are critical. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of from a top-down perspective. Now, if Mm -hmm. you are a practitioner today in supply chain, or if you're interested in supply chain, or you want to upskill your supply chain career, I think there are a couple of capabilities or skills that really are the point of differentiation. One is your level of comfort with technology. How conversant are you on edge computing? How much do you know about the role of blockchain in doing in governance for your supply network? How much do you understand the ecosystem of technology partners and technology companies driving analytics? Do you understand the value of visual analytics? Can you be conversant on e-commerce and the implications of e-commerce from a fulfillment perspective? Do you understand artificial intelligence? And at Accenture, for example, we we run a global program that is called TQ, Technology Quotient, Mm -hmm. which in the same spirit of the IQ, it's, it's aiming at increasing the technology quotient of every single leader, every single employee, every single person at Accenture. So I think collectively, we need in supply chain to increase our technology quotient. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you know how to do pivot tables in Excel and you know how to Mm -hmm. code and you know how to run a CPLEX model, but it actually means that you understand what new and emerging technologies can do for you to improve the reliability to improve the flexibility and to improve the efficiency of your supply network operations. So I think technology knowledge and savviness Mm -hmm. is very important. And obviously your ability to, to communicate whatever decisions are being recommended by the system. It is interesting because when you have more systems making decisions for you, Mm-hmm. you probably need to increase your ability to explain to mm-hmm. that's right what in the world is what the system recommended and why maybe so, the, the, the storytelling skill that we have exactly been which is interesting because i am right now in the beautiful city of dallas mm-hmm. working with a client and i just saw in a skill description for supply chain planners the storytelling as a mm-hmm. critical skill for the next generation of supply chain planners. So I think it's an exciting mm-hmm. new battery of skills that are both soft and creative skills and human skills with an understanding of what technology can do for you and how to leverage the best of technology. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You you just you pointed out very clearly and very perfectly and very exciting because this well, we can see that the, the timing for coming will be great and new technology, new learning. So we can stop off learning and, and try to do 
new things that, that definitely will be. No, that, that has been a great, great conversation. I, I have been really enjoying talking with you, Maria. I don't know, I, I would like just to, for you to make your, your final message to the people, to the CEOs that are listening, to the people that want to be CEOs or, or chief supply chain officers, which is the final message that you can give to them? You know, I first of all, I hope it's not my going to be my final, final goal <laughs> because I think I'm a permanent learner. And yeah. every time I go to a different industry or a different company, you know, I have learned so much in the last two years in a new company, learn about technology, learn about different strategies. So I will say that keeping that learning attitude mm-hmm. for your career, regardless if you're just graduating from college or if you have 30 years as an expert in production management, or if you're, it it doesn't matter if you've been in the industry for three months Mm -hmm. or 30 years, there's so much that is changing that if you keep that final appetite for learning, you will do great and you will remain engaged and passionate. I think that's very important. Uh, The second thing, and I believe this is, This is something that will help anybody in any profession, but I think it's extremely important in supply chain is communication skills. And I think you said something when you were talking about the Latin America Logistics Center. We didn't discover anything new or we didn't, you know, created any new theory or content. I think our main role 20 years ago is that we simplified and communicated effectively this mm-hmm. vision for what a supply chain is and how these processes interact with each other. And supply chain is a complex field. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not the same as explaining all our functions. Supply That's chain right. has a lot of interdependencies. A lo- it's a complex system. So mm-hmm. the more people can communicate effectively and explain to leadership, explain to sales, explain to the street as an investor, explain the why and explain what's going on in a supply chain and why an investment is needed or why something is not happening as expected. I think those communication skills are absolutely essential. So passion for learning, communication skills, Keep up to speed with technologies. Be good friends with what I call them affectionately, the nerds of your company, the data scientists, the analysts, people that can use data to give you insights. And if you have great communication and you understand, you know, the fundamentals of how supply chains work, I think you will add tremendous amount of value to your business and to your company. Oh, great, great. That having great advices and great four bullet points just to the people for growing in, in the supply chain. And for me, I mean, I have been enjoying to talk to you again and I and appreciate your time. And I can imagine that the people can get all the benefits just contacting you in, in a center or supporting people in any reason, any any ideas or just giving having that this conversation again for the people so i invite all the listeners just just to contact you in in a center you know these days javier and thank you for inviting me again i hope it's not going to be another decade before we have this conversation (laughs) again but i think um, 
LinkedIn, it's an incredible community we have in LinkedIn with people that are interested in supply chains of the future. It's such a vibrant community that, as I said, I, I have relationships and friends that span over two decades of people that have not lost the passion for the industry. And I'm just going to say a final word around diversity, diversity of thinking, diversity of gender, diversity of experience. The more diverse teams that we bring to our supply chain processes, the better quality of ideas and the better quality of strategies we're going to get. So don't be in the comfortable side of always working with the people you know, with the profiles you know, and just venture a little bit and bring some diversity of thinking. You will be very surprised at yeah. the, the return on that investment. But I, I look forward to connecting with all of you in, in LinkedIn. And um, it was great talking to you. Great, great, uh, Maria. I really appreciate that final recommendation for everybody. Um, for the listeners, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you like what you hear, you must go to www.alcottglobal.com and click on the bottom of the podcast to see all the programs and notes. You can also review this uh, podcast in detail. You can also subscribe to the mailing list to receive all the updates and news. You can share that with your friends and also follow us on, on LinkedIn. And if you are looking to hire senior people in supply chain executives, don't doubt about it and call us and we will be helping and happy to have you in this search. Thank you, everybody.